0: Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host Valerie, and sometime co host Miss Purrington or Mookie. Comedywham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and we've also got a festivals page and our FPIA 2022 page where you can keep up. uh, Mookie, our co-host, is about to make his introduction. Our FPIA 2022 page where you can keep up with all of the contest results. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we have somebody who comes to us from the comedy mecca that is Boise, Idaho. He's been described on Reddit as Theo Vaughn with Schizophrenia. He's been a podcast guest on The William Montgomery Show and Jason Rouse's Safe Word. I know I'm going to get this wrong. It's such a mouthful. He's the co-host of... The Grimbley, but it used to be Grimace, Half Hour, Power Hour, and um, I have a Transformers addict son, so I, I did want to call out that on episode one, you can uh, hear him and his co-host talk about Transformers throwing up. Uh, he is a feature writer for Big Laugh Comedy, and I will be asking him hard-hitting questions like, what is your obsession with Grimace? And now, Comedy Wham presents our guest, Casey Rocket. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yes was that mostly accurate
1: Uh uh-huh yeah yeah i'm from atlanta so but i spent a couple years in boise before i came out
0: ah okay Uh all right that was there's only so far i can scroll back on on instagram to see where was he last doing shows oh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i was out in boise for like three years out there in uh, idaho yeah but yeah i spent my whole life in georgia
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So now I can, now I can hear the, the Georgian twang.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so
0: you you uh well we might ask about how you ended up in, in Boise, but um I'm excited to have you I'm I'm bummed. I've actually never gotten to see you live. I, I was so close uh-huh. when I had you booked for the Comedy Wham showcase out here and oh, then yeah. the venue just decided n- to quit all of their programming on <laughs> Tuesday nights, which was my show night. And then I've just, uh, I have an impossible schedule. It's hard for me to get out with, especially with my my son
1: and his crazy
0: thing. So I've never seen you live, but I've, you know, listened to the podcast and I've uh, certainly seen your clips. And uh, (laughs) uh, one interesting observation, I'll I'll wait to it because I'll wait to get to it. But I do have an icebreaker question. Okay. That is one word to describe your past.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> my past, uh, outrageous, probably. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That seems <laughs> lame. <laughs> uh, troubled. <laughs> well, that's,
0: that's the comic's life, isn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> probably not
0: outrageous.
1: It's so weird to describe <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. uh, you don't seem to be very comfortable with this interview process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't... Uh, I spend 99% of my life uh, satirically, not mm-hmm. talking about anything yeah. of meaning. So, and I think I've built it that way. I think it makes me more comfortable. So, yeah, when it comes to, like, talking about regular things, I'm not... I think I'm just out of practice. I'm not used to it. Yeah. yeah. I don't really talk to people about anything of merit yeah. or anything that has, like, any, <laughs> any like, real effects. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think that goes into my act, too. I just don't... I don't know. I don't know anything about politics. I don't know anything... About like health or fitness or anything, so I think I just like like nonsense. Nonsense makes me comfortable because then I can uh, ignore the realities of the world. I guess, yeah.
0: Well, since you're you're talking about what you're you're like on a stage and maybe even off stage the majority of the time, Uh uh, that is one that is the thing that I wanted to ask you about because I saw a, a clip on your YouTube page that was three years ago. Uh huh. And I think three years ago you were you were in Boise. Yeah. And I watched it because I've watched a lot of your recent clips, and I'm uh-huh. like, oh, I see, I see you obviously, and I see like the germ of what we we see today on yeah. a stage, but it's like, it's pretty like contained uh-huh. in comparison. Yeah. So I want to know. Well, you know, we're gonna st- kind of start with what your first time on a stage was. But I am interested uh, specifically in, like in that three years of time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what made you like really dig into the persona that you have today on a stage?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I've been just trying to figure out a way to take what I think is funny and then figure out a way to make that work on stage. So I used to do a lot of stories Hmm. Um, like if I'm headlining something, I'll do a lot of stories still, like I'll do normally like 15 minutes of, uh, whatever, normal Casey rocket run around one liner type stuff yeah. anti shenanigans. But then I'll do stories, mostly like drug stories and things like that. Um, but yeah, just changed over time. Like I can remember... When I was in Atlanta, yeah, it was still kind of like crazy stuff, but I just couldn't really figure out a cohesive way of representing it, Mm -hmm. like putting all the different parts together. So, you know, comedy take like your ten minutes or whatever. It just comes piece by piece by piece. So, like, I would I improvise a lot. So maybe I'd be telling a story in Boise, and I make a certain noise, like whan or Uh out of something. And then I'm like, oh, like that felt good, you know, like something that like clicks. I'm like, okay, that's a part of my act now. So it's just little mm-hmm. by little, I found a way to kind of freak people out in a way that works. Yeah. I guess. Um, so yeah, it was just a slow progression because so I've always liked that, you know. I think I identify most with kind of um, absurdist type of comedy, Tim and Eric type stuff. Yeah. Uh, Adult Swim type things. So figuring out a way to do that on stage just took time. I think when you first start, I wasn't... When I first... I've been doing it for seven years. So when I first started, I was 20. And I think you were going to ask about that. The yeah. first time I got on stage, I, I just sung a song. <laughs> Kind like a Jim Carrey type thing. Like I sung a song and I, I sung Chandelier by Sia. Oh my God. And uh, <laughs> it was at the school talent show when I was in college. And there's like a hundred people there. I was the only person doing comedy, although you wouldn't even know I was doing comedy because it wasn't even like they would just say your name, you know. So please welcome Casey Rocket. And I went up there and sung Chandelier and ran all around and <laughs> dead silence, of course. <laughs> And uh, I, I think about this almost every day. There was a girl, there was like 100 people, so there's a lot of people crammed into this little auditorium, and I could still hear a girl in the way back of the room. It was that silent, and she went, what does he think he's doing? <laughs> and uh, I think about that all the time, yeah. I think about it almost every day, yeah. That was like seven oh, years ago. Oh,
0: man. That's a memory to last for ages. <laughs> Holy crap.
1: Yeah. But I remembered I I liked that feeling of, and like you know I mean maybe like a couple people left. I think I at one point I, I had to say I was doing comedy like, <laughs> this is comedy like, you know your act's good when you have uh-huh. to explain that you're <laughs> yeah I'm being funny That's, you're like yeah, right. oh man it's so embarrassing, <laughs> but oh, you have to spell it out for people. I'm being crazy right now. I'm being so silly you wouldn't even believe it. Ugh, um, oh, so embarrassing. So but, before
0: that that uh, talent show where mm-hmm. you, in your mind, you were doing comedy, had you hadn't done an open mic. You had probably just watched uh-huh. other people do comedy uh, in your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what happened after the talent show?
1: Um, yeah, after that, I, like, taped it on my iphone and i was all excited and i was showing everybody and i just decided that that's what i wanted to do i mean i think all i ever really cared about growing up was making people laugh it's all i ever oh, wow cared about maybe as a defense mechanism to look <laughs> at it psychologically but yeah it's all i ever wanted to do like that's always how i was like at parties and stuff just non-stop you know i'm sober but when i drink uh it's like How I am on stage. So, how I am on stage is kind of like a representation of how I am when I'm drinking. I can't turn it off. Mm -hmm. I'm constant, need the spotlight, you know? Yeah. Need the affirmation, which I'm sure is really hard to be around. (laughs) And I've heard it is. Um, So, yeah, like nonstop, you know, running around type of like Robin Williams type that like can't, something about my personality when I'm on like drugs and alcohol, I just can't, can't turn it off. So, um, Yeah, after that, I just decided, yeah, like, this is... I found what I wanted to do, Um, so... But
0: but then you have to almost channel it into these proper formats Uh of the, you know, the grueling open mics to build up to a showcase. I mean, with that that craving that you have, how do you... I mean, how do you contain yourself in these Mm -hmm. formats?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was hard. Where I went to college was a really small, it's Georgia Southern, so it was a town of like 30,000 people, all the college, but there was no stand-up, there's no comedy clubs in Statesboro, Georgia, so there was one club that did it, it was a a pool hall in like (laughs) a bad part of town. Oh, fun. And on Wednesdays, they (laughs) would have stand-up. And yeah, it was just a bunch of locals in this smoky back room and everybody's playing pool. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I tried to, I started out with the, that running around and singing, which is weird because I've kind of come full circle because I still kind of do that. But after that, I was like, you know, I got to get serious. And I think when people are starting comedy, they think there's a certain set of ways that you do it. Mm-hmm. Right, And yeah. the longer you do it, you realize that those conventions aren't true. You can do basically anything. And, and if you work at it, you can make it work as a stand-up yeah. act. But so I would try to do like one-liners and stuff, kind of like Stephen Wright type of deal. Yeah. And I, But I was really bad at it. Um, so I was so bad. I always tell people like when I see new comics at open mics, I'm like, you're not nearly as bad as I was. I was so <laughs> bad for... A couple years, I just couldn't get it. I just, uh, yeah, I would try to do one-liners in the. It's mostly like puns, you know. Uh huh. I think a lot of people start out like that. It's just horrible jokes, and then.
0: Were people telling you you were bad, or is this just your brain telling you that you're bad?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, like there wasn't. It was me. It was, was there
0: a girl in the back <laughs> saying, "What is he doing?" Yeah, she
1: just following me around town. <laughs> Leave me alone! I try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well like I would have there was a guy who was my mentor his name was uh Christopher and he was a comedian there it was just me and him we would do it every Wednesday we were the only comedians in town. So he would kind of tell me, you know, like look at what you're doing wrong like things like that. Mm. Um and I could see that it wasn't working. I was so nervous. I would like shake up there. I was just so scared. So it took a long time. So I did that for like for like a year and a half or two years so I graduated, um, just that once a week. So I wasn't able to do open mics because there was nothing around there. Yeah. It was like in the middle of nowhere. Um, but so but I,
0: despite all that, after, for a year and a half, you still were committed to this.
1: Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Like it was hmm. once I did that first set, I was like, this is a, That's it was good. like the only thing that made sense to me. I was like, yeah. this is what I want to do, even though I was so bad at it. You have flashes of, you know, one joke hits. Or you say something off the cuff, right? You improvise something, and you're like, oh, I can't do Like, you know, you have a flash, and then you bomb for a month straight. And then yeah. you have another good set, and you're like, okay, like, I can. So I could tell, like, if I just worked hard, like, I would be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think it was mostly the nerves. I just couldn't, especially when I, so when I graduated, I moved to Atlanta. And Atlanta has a great scene. Yeah. And I was there for probably, like, eight months. But when I got there, I realized how much more work that I needed. Like I wasn't, you know. I think when you first start, you measure how good you're getting in time. You're like, oh, I've been doing this for two years. You know, like I'm kind of getting it. You know, I've been doing this for two years. But it's not, it's about how hard you work. Yeah, you could know, be doing it for 10 years. But if you're only going up, you know, once a week, it doesn't yeah. really translate. But
0: how often were you able to get, go up? in atlanta i mean that is a huge scene
1: yeah yeah you could go up three or four times a night wow. yeah so then i when i got there i remember i was going up like once a night for like a week and i was like i remember kind of like looking in the mirror you know like a serious kind of like movie like life moment and i was like you know if you're gonna do this you have to be serious about it you know Yeah. so then yeah you could go up you can go up a lot atlanta's got a great scene but uh you know a lot of open mics are the same everywhere so a lot of coffee shows and pizza shops and terrible bars and stuff yeah. uh but it makes you better so fast those first couple of years of, of kind of grinding like that i mean month by month you're getting better so uh, exponentially faster um
0: so by the but, yeah. end of that eight months were you starting to feel like things were turning around for you and you can feel a little bit more confident about what you were doing
1: uh-huh yeah <laughs> Yeah, not
0: convincing at all.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I would have, I think I only, when I first moved to Atlanta, like the second week I I did a set where I told a story and it, and it crushed for like the six people at the open mic. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever like actually did good. And I was like, oh my God, like I've, this won't be long now. Like (laughs) I got it. This story, you know, I'll probably be (laughs) on Conan or whatever telling the story about shitting my pants in high school or whatever (laughs) stupid story it was that like I don't even tell anymore (laughs) but uh yeah so you I would get like inklings of it and I used to wear a jean jacket when I was in Atlanta I would wear every time I performed I would wear a jean jacket that was covered in buttons (laughs) and uh I've always been a bit of a character and I would uh wear jeans and that was just my performance outfit and Yeah, a lot of grimace stuff, and I would work on the same set over and over and over again. I remember doing that, Um, and it's not too dissimilar from what I do today. So I think it was after I moved to Atlanta, I started getting the inklings of kind of what I wanted to kind of start doing more. Um, But yeah, by the time uh, I was about to leave to go to Idaho, yeah, I felt like I was seeing some some progress. Yeah. Yeah. Get finally, getting a little better. Yeah.
0: So then you go Atlanta to Boise. <laughs> I know nothing about an Idaho comedy scene, let uh-huh. alone a Boise comedy scene, and it it like kind of crushes my heart because you're in Atlanta, where you like you know if you were there for five years, oh, yeah. you'd just be crushing.
1: <laughs> uh, but you
0: kind of went backwards. Yeah, so.
1: I, uh, I know. <laughs> I know, yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Uh, So my buddies, the people I was living with, were my friends from high school in Atlanta. And so they were going to move to Boise to, like, whatever. We'd been in Georgia our whole lives. They wanted to do, like, outdoors, like, ride bikes or whatever. And so I was like, okay, I'll go with you guys. Like, I'm not really doing anything else. I'll go visit for, like, two weeks. And so we drove out there, and I was sleeping on their couch— And my whole adult life, I've never really worked. Like I work, but I work like menial, you know, like deliver pizzas or whatever. So I don't have savings or anything. So I go out there and then uh, they do have a club in Boise. They did. It was called Liquid Laughs. And I remember going there and when I moved to Boise, there's probably 20 or 30 comedians there they thought automatically I was really good because I was from Atlanta. Ah. So when you're from a small market, you're like, you know, this guy, this guy, he did a show in New York City. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people, they think you're like, this guy saw Mark Norman on a a showcase two weeks ago. Yeah, they just think you're like, whatever, super good, Uh even though you're not, but... But yeah, so they start I started like actually like getting like little like showcases and stuff. I'd like never done a book show until I went out there. So then I got better a lot faster and then so I started doing stuff at the club like hosting weekends and I was awful at it. Eventually they told me I can't do it anymore. Oh no. But <laughs> cuz I was trying to do even now, even now and I've done a lot of stand up. If I'm I don't I don't hardly host stuff ever. But it's hard for me to translate to a cold audience kind of what I'm doing. Mm. Um, I kind of have to be a little warmed up because there's not a, like a lot of traditional setup punchline joke structure so I think it confuses people yeah, which is kind of the point. but that's kind of also what makes it good. So when I would host and I hadn't really figured out kind of what I wanted to be doing, oh man, I would just eat it. I would just I was just bombing all the time. So I think I hosted like three weekends and then by the third one, the manager was like, you know, we love you here, but I don't think you should, yeah, I don't think you can do this anymore, like, you gotta make some changes, like, this is not working, um, but, yeah, so I started doing stuff at the club, so it's like, okay, I'll stay here for the time being, and just, like, see how this works out, like, I'm getting club work, like, I thought, like, yeah. that was, like, whatever, I'm gonna be, like, a star, like, soon, and, then I met a girl. So the the main reason I was out there is I was dating a girl for like three years. Okay. So then I started dating her, and then we moved in together. And then so she didn't really want to leave Boise. So then, yeah, like that wasn't, you know, yeah. really an option. So, yeah, I was just out there doing shows and, you know, travel around a little bit, go to like Denver and stuff. Mm. But...
0: So... Yeah. Re- recapping, you know, your your college environment, you're just you're eating bags of dicks. Uh-huh. Atlanta, you're making some progress, but it's so short. And then Boise, you're like superstar from out of you know this big comedy uh-huh. scene. So you kind of <laughs> were able to leverage that that reputation. And are are, are we able to say that you built confidence? Uh huh. In in that time with your with your comedy.
1: Oh definitely. Yeah, I started Yeah, it was like Yeah, I would like walk down the street and people were like, "Oh, it's Casey Rocket." Like <laughs> Boise's <laughs> That's like uh awesome. Yeah, it felt <laughs> like I felt like a like a celebrity yeah. out there. It was so it was so nice. And you know, there's only 20 comics, so we became really close close-knit group of like friends and Yeah. yeah it was a lot of fun. I felt Yeah, I got a lot better really quickly. Because I think I was given the opportunity to do longer sets. You know 10 or 15 minutes or even like headline shows and stuff like when I definitely wasn't ready to Mm -hmm. but part of I think the biggest thing about Being a comedian is your confidence. Like if you're really confident um, And you have like natural charisma Your material doesn't matter as much you can you can be up there and you can do well Because the audience inherently wants to trust you like they inherently look at you like this guy knows what he's doing So if you're confident, you know that makes all the difference. Yeah. So yeah, r- uh, yeah, I was able to get like, you know, pretty quickly uh, felt like I was doing better. And I, would imp- I started improvising a lot. When I moved there, like riffing and stuff, like I kind of made that kind of my whole thing. So I would do a different set every night for like a couple years. I would wow. do. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that. I feel like I lost. I must have been in my creative peak. I can't. <laughs> I don't write like that anymore. But yeah. It would go good. Too. I would do a different set every night. I remember. Get, I remember it going good at least. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't, but <laughs> I guess delusional.
0: since you were there for several years, were you starting to think? And I don't know if you you said you're. You know, you don't know politics. You don't know uh-huh. news stuff. Were you paying attention to the world of comedy? You know, L.A., New York, Denver. If you you went to, you said you went to Denver. Were you mm-hmm. paying attention to what a comedy career? was for other people
1: yeah i think it was you know boise was kind of in a bubble like it's out there i had never even i swear i'd never even like heard of idaho growing (laughs) up in georgia i don't remember anybody ever mentioning idaho when i was a kid potatoes
0: yeah potatoes. everybody knows it's potatoes i I
1: couldn't tell you where it was on a map (laughs) it sounded like some weird like foreign like you're gonna move to boise it's like okay man whatever i'll drive out there i'm not doing anything But so, yeah, when you're out there, it's like you're not close to anything. So we wouldn't have a lot of comics like come through town. I didn't really think about that stuff too much, like Mm. bigger scenes. I think I just focused uh, on just getting better because I knew I was so far from success anyways. It wouldn't really matter if I was in a place to kind of get a bigger opportunity. I just I Mm. think I knew that I wasn't ready. I knew that I was getting better. But, you know, based off like this stuff at the club, I was like, you know, I can't. You know, I don't have like a twenty minutes or something, so it's not like I can like go on the road. So I knew just to work really hard there and I didn't really think about the long term mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um my last year or year and a half I was applying to festivals and stuff. So yeah, I applied to a lot of festivals. I think I got in I got into a good bit, like six or seven or something. That's great. Yeah, like the Boston I did the Boston Comedy Festival on Zoom. Oh wow. Oh man, wow. it was so. You're sh- oh. <laughs> I know. How did that translate? With my act, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was <laughs> Wide brutal. Angle yeah. Camera. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my my laptop <laughs> camera, and I was so excited. <laughs> this is. Uh, it must have been like the November. So it's like November 2020, I guess. Like right after the pandemic, mm. and I told my family to watch, <laughs> and so my family's all tuned in on their laptops, and. We set up a bed sheet as a green screen uh, behind me, and then I borrowed a microphone from a buddy that's not plugged into anything. It's just for, you know, like yeah. uh, whatever, the fixation of having it in your hand. And so, like, everybody is basically doing one liners. Like, that translates relatively well to yeah. doing Zoom, like traditional setup jokes. But. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, oh man, I was so embarrassed. Yeah, like they say, like, <laughs> and you're next greeting, Casey Rocket, and uh, <laughs> cuts to me, and I, I have the microphone no cord, <laughs> and I got my buddy, the former co-host of the Grimace Half Hour Power Hour, my longtime friend Pierce, to sit next to the computer uh-huh. off screen, so I would wouldn't feel as awkward. I could kind of look at him, uh-huh. and. um you can't hear a lot of laughs anyways on zoom yeah. but it was like i think i had to do like eight minutes or something oh. of total silence just me in my living room uh and, and a lot of my act is momentum based like if my first joke hits like i'm good like i'll be fine the whole set you know it's like adrenaline type mm-hmm. thing but if it's silence like the longer it builds it's just getting more and more away from stand-up it's like performance art almost like Oh man, I was so embarrassed And the green screen So the bed sheet works as a green screen And they project the logo Of the Boston Comedy Festival behind you And it, for some reason With my hair It was blending into the green screen <laughs> so, so I was like Running around, you know Like wah, 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 like being Trying to be funny uh-huh. And my hair would keep disappearing <laughs> from second to second so one second i would have hair and i would move to the left and it would disappear and it would just be my face so I like look like like, like a, i don't know like a talking heads music video or something just like my little embarrassed face to dead silence and then sometimes my body would disappear too and it wasn't like i was wearing green it was like something with the technology
0: yeah i can't keep up with yeah, you yeah i know I just,
1: uh, the technology wasn't there yet And I was like running around And I keep disappearing And my whole family's watching Oh I was so embarrassed And uh, I remember like Oh man I think my sister texted me something like You know I think it might be better Like if you try to do something a little more traditional Or something I was like I know it would be better I know it would be better That's not the point
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's the new reincarnation of what is he doing i know yeah (laughs) oh my god hey but at least you got that credit right yeah it's a
1: good it was worth it for that yeah
0: and it's a story (laughs) i mean what a hell of a story
1: i know yeah that will be something that future generations of comedians will never understand having to do those zoom i think i only did two zoom things but that was oh yeah I yeah. forgot about that. It's it was brutal. That's yeah,
0: <laughs> we did. Uh, we we under the guise of wanting to help comics who lost all
1: uh-huh. channels
0: of income. Uh, we put on online shows, and uh-huh. so it was it was very interesting to watch as a uh, what do you call it um, sociology or anthropology like uh-huh. perspective <laughs> to think about you know how some people it translates they know how to do it and others are like. Yeah. This is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and then others were like, Absolutely not. I'm not doing your show. <laughs> so Yeah, that you're right. Generations of future comics will never understand yeah uh, that.
1: I think some I think a lot of comics would do okay with it. But you think about like some Yeah, it's just not you know, it's just not stand-up, it's just different. Like picture like William Montgomery or something like doing something like that. It'd be like, yeah. you know, it just doesn't Yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyways.
0: Um, okay, so at what point do you do you uh, and I, you know, uh, I I assume there's a story here that goes with why you had or why you left Boise and how you chose Austin.
1: Um, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, before the pandemic happened, I was planning on moving to Denver. Hmm. I was gonna move to Denver that summer, so 2020, and then the pandemic happened. And then uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she was a comedian, too. Mm. So, uh, whatever. She was really hesitant. She was more wanting to plan things. And I've just never really been like that. Like, if I want something, I kind of just go do it, for better or worse. But, so I think we were, like, ready to... I was, like, ready to go. And then it didn't happen. And then our relationship didn't work. So then I was like, okay, so since that is not going on, I have really no reason to be here anymore. So... I was thinking about moving to Denver and then a friend of mine, uh, in Boise, who's a comedian, he started saying that he was going to move to Austin Hmm. and I had never thought about it or anything. Um, but I think it was when Rogan moved to Austin. So he's like, you know, this is kind of where the new place to do comedy is going to be, um, or whatever. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) Uh, FYI,
0: it's been around for a long time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I had watched... There's a documentary about the funniest person in Austin.
0: Yeah, funniest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great documentary. On Amazon. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: And I had watched that maybe six months prior to mm. him saying that. And I was like, oh, it seems like like a really fun city. I'd never been to Texas. Um, huh. So then... Okay, so he starts talking about that. And then I got into the Tower City Comedy Festival in Paris. Oh, yeah um so that was 20 whatever last year 2021 like march or whatever when that happened so i flew down here and i didn't know (laughs) i i've traveled a lot but i'm not really like worldly Uh like kind of like ignorant in some ways. so i was like oh how big can texas be (laughs) um
0: you had no idea how yeah. far Paris was from any major airport?
1: Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'll just go to Austin.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Paris is by Dallas, yeah. right? And so I was like, I'll just go to Austin and hang out in Austin for a couple days. And then I can rent a car and drive to Paris and it'll be fine. And so I land in Austin and I'm like staying in some hotel, like a sleazy motel. And I'm looking up rental cars and there's no cars because y'all had that ice storm. Oh, right. So there's oh, no, there's yeah. like no cars in the state of Texas. So I'm like, oh god! I'm like four hours where I flew all the way across the country. I don't know anybody here. I don't know a single person. And so I had to take a Greyhound at <laughs> like six in the morning to Dallas. And then I rode with some guy to Paris. And then I have, did the festival. It was great. And then after that, <laughs> my flight was still out of Austin. So then I had to go back to Austin. So then I, he took me back to Dallas. I had to take another Greyhound back to Austin just a calamity of errors yeah. but from being uh meeting all the like the nice Dallas comics who were there and I, I don't know if I met anybody from Austin but then seeing the city I was like okay you know like this seems like a pretty fun like a big city like a place to be you know like having lived in Atlanta I was like ready to get back to that I was like yeah. this seems like a great opportunity um so yes yeah, so then I went back and whatever was in Boise for a couple months, and then in July of last year, we drove out here, and we lived in our cars. I lived in my car for like six months.
0: Wow. So
1: yeah, yeah. So I just drove out here. I didn't know anybody out here. Um, <clears throat> but that's just kind of just how I operate. I don't really. I've had a difficult time in life. Most most of it self imposed with like drug and alcohol abuse. So so typical things that people worry about. As far as like security, financial security, place to sleep, things like that, don't really bother me as much because I know like as long as I'm sober, uh, nothing too bad can really go wrong, um, Which is true in a cosmic sense. you know, yeah. as long as I have control of my faculties, like I'll be okay. Like, I'll land on my feet, I can go down there and I can find a job. So yeah, we just drove out here and I, I lived in a Walmart parking lot for like six months, wow. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just did a bunch of open mics. And, uh, yeah, as soon as I got here, yeah, I started doing a lot of shows and stuff. And yeah,
0: How, how did you feel you were received by, by the open mics that you did? And how did you even discover them? Because it's a big city.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: did it happen to be Comedy Wham? I'd like to just, you know, pat my own ego and know that
1: oh, it came
0: it, up on the radar somehow. It
1: could have been. <laughs> it might have been. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think back then... Yeah, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I was like, y'all, and then I think that's when uh, Kate Lloyd started posting right. open like So I, yeah, yeah I looked them up, and then I think the first one I did was like, oh, it was Blind Pig, so it was Mondays, there used to be one of Blind Pigs, and now it's Shakespeare's. But yeah, so then doing that, and then I started doing stuff at the Creek, and yeah, they liked me a lot, yeah. Everybody was really nice. I think, you know, kind of what I do is so different. I didn't really have an adjustment period when I moved here. Everybody was like immediately like pretty nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I didn't really do the crab thing. Like sometimes I do the crab (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) which is, uh, if y'all haven't seen me, like it's just exactly what it sounds like. It's I act like a little bit of a baby crab. (laughs) Everybody laugh. We go home happy. And um, (laughs) so I think I did that like one of my first open mics here for whatever reason. And then all the comics loved it. So I was like, okay, I'll just do that. So <laughs> yeah, there's been, my act has even changed a lot the year since that I've been here, you know, now I do a lot of like pictures and stuff on stage. Mm-hmm. I'll normally do like some, whatever, uh, I'll do some jokes and pull out a picture and harmonica and, uh, do a little bit of prop stuff. Like I j- only started doing that when I moved here. So, yeah.
0: um, and you've done Kill Tony
1: Uh uh-huh a handful
0: of times or no just once okay yeah i I, you got in in red bands good graces you've been on uh the death squad show
1: yeah yeah i've done it a lot yeah i did on thursday um yeah when i moved here i've been here for like a month and i did william montgomery's show the big red machine at vulcan Mm -hmm. and did really good probably the best set of my life and then someone told red band about it red band wasn't there And I had a show right after that at Creek. So Red Band walked over and watched me at Creek, Mm. and liked it a lot. And he was really nice. And then I think that kind of changed my life. He posted a picture of me on his Instagram. So then I got like two thousand followers like overnight. So yeah. So that like yeah that like changed everything. So then I started doing the secret shows. Like most weeks. Um. Yeah, and then I, I had never even done Kill Tony, so I didn't. Normally, people do Kill Tony and then do the secret yeah. shows. Yeah,
0: you actually flipped the script.
1: Yeah, he just happened to see me. Yeah. Um,
0: well, if you get a William Montgomery endorsement, that says a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love William. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like uh, the co-host of his podcast now. Yeah, William's mm. so great. So, yeah, I did Kill Tony like two or three months ago, and it was fun. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, so was
0: great. are you hearing that voice anymore? The one from the back of the room that says, <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing here?
1: <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. And I, I think in my mind, I need to have that happen. I need to be doing different things that don't work. One, to feel alive, and two, to be able to push the act to what I want it to be as a cohesive, you know, a, a, a larger thing thing that i've been working on it's not just like chaos like there's a lot of moving parts that i've worked on hundreds of times you know little things that ideally go go to get like there's jokes like uh, it's hard to explain so a lot of it's like <laughs> yes some of it's improvised but a lot of the little things i'm doing are are things that i've worked on like hundreds mm-hmm. of times so it's remembering all those things and adding new things um
0: yeah, I mean certainly as a as an outsider observing, just watching the the clips that I've I've watched, I would never have imagined that you've said the same thing twice. Yeah, like you pull off that high energy, like absurdist style so well that it's like, that's part of the excitement is uh-huh. is thinking if I'm going to go see Casey Rocket one night, two nights, three nights in a row, I'm not going to get the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I think a lot of it. Yeah, there is. Like, it, there's just a lot of moving parts. Again, yeah, I couldn't tell you on any given set how much would be improvised and how mm. much wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes, like, the whole thing will just be, you know, off the cuff. But then other times, you know, whatever. Little things that you work on. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I think I try to keep doing things that I haven't seen before and figure out a way to make them work. You know, just absurdest things. So I... Yeah, I don't, I don't bomb too much, and not as much as I used to, but yeah, I eat shit. Yeah, I still do a lot of open <laughs> mics, so yeah, <laughs> but that's part of the fun. I, I, I think to really get good, you have to be, you, like I always have, I tell people you have to learn to bomb before you can learn to crush. Like, yeah. if you can be comfortable bombing, and being like truly, not like pretending like it doesn't bother you, but if it truly doesn't bother you when you're up there, I think you're like pretty close to to getting where you need to be, because that's a big part, you know, not being afraid of the silence.
0: Since, since you're, you're part of the new guard of, of Austin comedy, I'm curious if you've hung out with some of the, the old guard comics enough to have heard the name Andrew Clarkston.
1: Yeah, people have said that. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Someone told me that, um, The other day. Yeah, I've heard it like three or four times. Yeah.
0: You're like the the new guard version of of Andrew Clarkston. Uh Uh-huh. I've never seen him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can
0: even find clips of him. I couldn't uh, find any. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd love to see him. Yeah, it was yeah. always
0: that kind of high energy. But like, even yours is like like he would still stay pretty stationary. Like I, you must I don't know. Do you drink Red Bull? You said you were sober, but I don't know how you can possibly maintain the energy on stage that you do.
1: <laughs> I think it's just an. Ad- I don't drink caffeine or anything. Oh gosh, yeah. it's all natural. <laughs> yeah, I just I think I'm a little like ADD or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just mostly adrenaline. Like. Oh. I'll normally pump myself up for like 30 or 45 minutes before I go on stage, even for like an open mic, I'll I'll pace around, Um, yeah, like uh, drop it low, you know, like stretch, like I stretch, (laughs) it's like I'm going to like, whatever, do wind sprints or something, but I think it also gets me in the mindset of like, what I'm doing on stage, like it is me like that is a part of me and and like i said that's that's how i act when i drink so like that's me i just have to work myself up to be able to get mm-hmm. ready to go like you know kind of like tornado of like whatever yeah um but yeah no i'm all i'm all natural yeah i've been sober for a while so yeah, yeah.
0: um since <clears throat> you've mentioned that and if you're comfortable like um how important like is there a message to other people because I know you know I'm an old lady, so i that is that kind of lifestyle is long long uh-huh. behind me if <laughs> if I ever uh, did anything uh, but like to me, being in your twenties and being a comic means you're doing drugs uh-huh. all the time. I just assume that that's happening
1: yeah, um,
0: was it uh, what do I want to ask i just I guess I want to ask your perspective and maybe you're not you're probably not the kind of advice. Uh, giving personality anyway but like can you imagine your life performing comedy in this great setting where like you've really built up a reputation for yourself and like you're you're getting the notice of big names if you had not given up drugs and alcohol
1: no 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 definitely not so yeah i stopped drinking when i was 21 so i had a really bad drinking problem Mm. uh I had to go to detox and stuff. Like, I would have the shakes and stuff. So, it wasn't... I think I was drinking for, like, my first, like, year of doing comedy. And I think when you're drinking, I think, and particularly most people who do comedy probably have addictive personalities anyways. When when you're drinking, you're not retaining information as good. So, Mm -hmm. I think if you're doing open mics and you're doing shows and you're drinking, you still might be, like, crushing, but you're not learning from it. You're Mm -hmm. You're not growing... And I think also it's a it's a false sense of of bravado and a false sense of confidence that it's easier, you know, I know a lot of people drink like when they're first starting to kind yeah. of take away the nerves, but you will if you want to be successful, you will have to get used to doing it sober. You just will. Yeah. Like you you won't be Stanhope. Like I know I've fallen into that. Like I've had like plenty of like slip ups and sobriety and things like that, and I'll kinda of, glorify kind of like the Stan Hopes or like the Mitch Hedbergs of the world um like the rock and roll comedians but those comedians are there's so few of those yeah like there's only a couple who like drank throughout their like almost all the comedians you see are sober like Mm -hmm. almost all successful comedians don't drink like that so yeah I just don't think it's really for most people I don't think you can do both it's just not something like you can't be for example like going on tour and you're all hung over and then yeah you know like because the problem is and the problem with me drinking is i'll be so hungover. it's like i can't function unless mm-hmm. i drink again so oh, gosh and especially yeah. with performance too like you can't be hung over so then you're gonna drink again and then it's just such a vicious cycle mm-hmm. you know so i know for me personally yeah i could, definitely couldn't do both i couldn't uh yeah I, I think uh you know comedy's enough of a rush yeah. as it is. I don't I couldn't do it, yeah.
0: You also have struck me as somebody that's very in the moment and not necessarily looking forward to, you know, what you do next, what you tackle next. Um are you are you really happy being in Austin? Do you ever think that, you know, as you get more comfortable being a comic, a headliner comic that you might want to move again to a, a big city like L.A. or New York?
1: Um, I don't want to move to L.A. I don't think I would like to live in L.A. Hmm. I don't think I would like anything about it. I've heard it's difficult. Yeah. But I would love to go, you know, do the comedy store and stuff like that. Like, that's every comic stream. Yeah. I would yeah. love to do that. Um, but if I am going to move, I would want to move to probably New York. Yeah. I think maybe, like, three years or something. Hmm. Like, when I when I know, like, I'm, like, a lot better, yeah. then I'll go out there. But I think Austin, <clears throat> it's at a place where, like, the vertical growth is, like, it's... Comedy's getting so big here, I don't see any reason why you would want to go anywhere else. That's why yeah. everyone's moving here. Yeah. Like, I, w- I love that. I think I came here at the perfect time, like, yeah. with a new wave of of really great comedians and really great friends, and then also all these... Um, old scene comedians who have been really, um, nice lately. The past couple of months, I've been working a lot more with like Connor Duncan and, mm-hmm. and a lot of like really nice people there. So like the, the talent here is just nuts. So I'd yeah. have no, no reason to go anywhere else. Yeah. It's really, it's really a great scene. Everybody's so nice too. I really like it. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So fun.
0: It's probably somewhat familiar to the, the nice Southern mentality that you, you have in Georgia. huh And that's, you know, part of Austin. Yeah. And,
1: yeah, yeah I, I love the South, except the bad, you know, whatever. The bad <laughs> yeah, stuff that goes bad bad along with that. Is not good. But yeah. the Southern <laughs> hospitality is... Yeah. Uh, it's just great. I, li- I like the demeanor. Of yeah, it. yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the other projects that you've got. You uh, you've gotten obviously a lot of attention from the folks at Big Laugh Comedy, and you've been writing for them. Mm-hmm. And you're on your your <clears throat> Grimace grimbly, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So is now part of their podcast. <laughs> I know there's a history, and then you had you've ch- you had to change it probably for licensing. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a copyright <laughs> thing.
1: So yeah, me and my my buddy did the Grimace Half Hour Power Hour for like three or four years where we improvise stories about Grimace and <laughs> <laughs> and about him, like, whatever, like, being a war criminal. Like, we make him out to be, like, a terrible person, uh-huh. right? But I think that, in doing so, I think that falls under parody law. So yeah, I would think so. I would think so, but I'm, I would hate for them to, like, whatever. For some reason it doesn't, then you have to take it all down. so mm. um, So, yeah, now it's the Grimby Half Hour Power Hour, and it's on YouTube. And it's me and Kat Swatner, um, great comedian here in Austin. And uh, yeah, we started it up with them. I think we're four episodes in to the new run. Uh, It's all on YouTube. That's really fun. Yeah, yeah, Big laugh has been great. I I write weekly comedy news articles for them. Um, And then I do these little videos weekly um, about comedy news stuff. So, yeah, that's been fun. Then I'm doing Williams' podcast, and that's great. And then I run a show with Michael Fractor from 20 somethings Austin, uh, the Netflix reality show. He's a great comedian here. Yeah. So we started running a show together two weeks ago, so that's uh, called yeah. The Fish Bowl. So, yeah. Ah,
0: cool. yeah well You'll have to submit it to Comedy Wham, so it'll be on our events page. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh,
0: man. These people.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so easy. We make it so easy. <laughs> um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you?
1: Um, I'm, just a, I'm just a really nice guy. Um. I,
0: I I've actually heard that a lot. <laughs> that you're you're wild and crazy on stage, but like you're a really nice nice person. <laughs> Do you uh, think people don't think that?
1: No, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I just am who I am. Yeah, I don't know. We don't need to know about that. But. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm really excited about the Grimace uh, half-hour power hour. Uh, that's really fun. We have some great comics coming yeah. up on that. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. All my shows are on my Instagram. And, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. I think this is a great, great scene. It's a... Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I have a pretty full schedule. You know, I love writing comedy and... Um, yeah, I have some fun satire articles if you Google, like, Casey Rocket, Points in Case. Um, hmm. There's some fun stuff. I used to try to write satire a lot um, uh, for various comedy magazines, things like that. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just try to... I don't know. Comedy is basically my, my, like, full-time job, but I just don't... It <clears throat> doesn't, like, pay that well yet, but, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, just always have a lot of stuff going on. I think that yeah. uh, it's good to have a full a full life, and and particularly in relation to sobriety, I think if you, I mean, the key is to stay really busy. So it's nice to you know have your fingers in a lot of like pies or yeah. whatever. Do so. you feel
0: like like you're near that tipping point where you can say I don't I don't have to work anymore because what I'm doing with comedy, whether it's writing performing podcasting is is paying enough of the bills i mean you've lived Uh a miser's life (laughs) if you've lived six months in a car yeah
1: yeah it's close yeah i'm really close yeah i think maybe in like three months yeah because i have my patreon oh that's another thing yeah Ah. i have a lot of like exclusive uh, (laughs) uh, whatever (laughs) i wish this was recorded so you could have seen the
0: face (laughs) face he made
1: (laughs) whatever i have a lot of like sets on my patreon like a lot of the secret shows are on there Um, and fun stuff like unpublished writing and stuff. So yeah, so that pays a little bit. And then, um, me and Michael's show, I think once we get that going, that's, we sold out the last one. So once we can get that rolling, I I think I'm pretty close. So that's really exciting. And where are you
0: having that show?
1: It's at Native Hostel. Okay. Um, I, I I think the next one's going to be on the 29th of September. So we'll let y'all, I don't know. It's on my Instagram, but Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on.
0: Very cool. Uh, I felt like there was one other question that I was going to ask you, and it escaped my brain. Um, oh, I, I was curious because uh, there's an un- underlying thread of like being really philosophical about your life. Do you do you study your your tapes, your recordings?
1: Uh, no, I used to uh, my first couple years, but I feel like I'm pretty good at retaining information. So I'll normally work like on a new set, like every week i'll try to work on like three or five new minutes and uh i'll just repetition so i don't really watch them mm-hmm. as much as i used to but um you know kind of doing the the wacky kind of things that i do it kind of gets burned in your brain especially when something doesn't work it's like mm-hmm. really impactful <laughs> like <laughs> whatever like doing this crazy stuff like if you whatever spit out a gold chain and nobody laughs you're like okay, that doesn't work, you know? So the things that work and the things that don't, I'm pretty good at remembering. So I, I, don't, I don't watch it as much as I, as much as I used to, yeah. but um, it's kind of embarrassing. Not really embarrassed. Like, I'm proud of what I do. I do it for a reason, but yeah. I don't need to watch it. You know? <laughs> the longer I do it, the less I want to watch it. Yeah, Yeah. because
0: so. you figured out the formula in your own brain. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool. I'm so glad I've gotten to know you. This is really cool. Now I just yeah. need to make that step of, you know, getting to your, your live shows. Yeah, so I can see this in action <laughs> for myself. <laughs> and everybody oh, should definitely you. make make plans to to go see you. <laughs> it's it's an experience.
1: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Try to make it something. Yeah, you never seen or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh I have a closing question. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. One word to describe your future.
1: <laughs> um friggin' outrageous.
0: <laughs> oh, Just... nice. Callback. <laughs> callback. <laughs> All right. Well that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Casey Rocket uh Tell us those social medias and uh, recap again the, that new show you've got coming up and all your
1: podcasts. Oh, yeah. Podcasts. Um, yeah. So I mainly just use Instagram. I'm Casey Rocket on Instagram. I'm Casey Rocket on TikTok. Um, I have a Patreon full of fun stuff, uh, patreon.com backslash Casey Rocket. Um, my YouTube, Casey Rocket, a lot of stuff on there. And then I run a new show with Michael Fractor um, called The Fishbowl, that's at Native Hostel once a month. That's on my Instagram. I also do the Grimace Half Hour Power Hour on YouTube. (laughs) And then the William Montgomery Show on YouTube as well.
0: Very cool. Busy, busy guy. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Casey uh, got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham presents Casey Rocket. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Casey. (laughs) Thank you.